0: Hey, 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 welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm Katie Lazarus, and on this episode, I sit down with Lin Chen, who is an actress first and foremost. You may have known her from her breakout role, Saving Face, but she's all over the indie circuit. She does these really meaty roles in films that are shown at South by Southwest and Sundance and Tribeca. She's also been on the, you know, CSI and Numbers and Law and Order, but she's really best known for playing these uh, dark characters and for her activism out of a horrible place, which is just having... And tremendous eating issues. She has created this phenomenal site with a partner in crime called Thick Dumpling Skin and it is a community resource for women, um, Asian women, Asian American and Asian women to talk about eating issues and it's a subject that she explains is not addressed in their community and I think in general it's just a very difficult subject to talk about. So without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Lin Chen. So how does it feel after being told that you're beguiling by The Hollywood Reporter and winning all of these accolades for your film and television work, as well as your music work, as well as being in Mary Claire this year as a a, a change maker? I want to get this new change agent, which is really exciting. Um,
1: How does it feel to finally be on the Employee of the Month show? Amazing. I'm a huge fan. (laughs) And I'm so impressed how much research you did. I'm I'm flabbergasted, to be quite honest. No one knows that I was called beguiling by the Hollywood reporter except for me. Um, That is... And the guy who wrote it. And he probably doesn't even remember that either.
0: I knew you started your music career at five. You were at at Lincoln Center Mm -hmm. in the children's choir. Yeah. I wanted to hear
1: what that was like because it's so foreign to most of us. It is foreign, I would think. It was... But it was my childhood. So I basically grew up at the Metropolitan Opera House. And, you know, it was a lot of it was... It was equal balance of acting and singing i would say there were lots of operas where there was no singing required i just had to be on stage doing things like um my favorite was Cavalria rusticana and Paliacci, which is two operas in which one night which most five year
0: olds also know about obviously yes
1: obviously the music <laughs> is so i mean it hits my soul still because you know it was like what i would you know hear as a kid all the time but um you know, in those, in those, I just got to hang out with my mom, who was a member of the ladies' chorus. And we got to pretend we were, like, Pagliacci is all about a clown. Very sad clown. But, you know, in the beginning, it's like a happy circus. And so we got to pretend we were at the circus, and there were acrobats. And I remember we, had, we did have to sing in that one, but we also got ice cream cones. And <laughs> I remember shoving the ice cream cone down my mouth and almost choking because it was time to sing, but I didn't want to, like... Not have my ice cream cone and have it melting in my hand, and I remember I remember that specifically, and thus my issues with food and performing <laughs> began from from the day one. I do
0: think it is, it's such a phenomenal experience. I mean, I grew up dancing and doing the Nutcracker, but when you go to New York, it's a it's it is a whole different level. I, I had this cousin whose um, friend was so obnoxious when we were young I, when I was in Manhattan. And I said, oh, I'm in the Nutcracker, too, because she was in the Nutcracker with the New York City Ballet. And she goes, yeah, but it's not the same thing. It's not New York. And, you know, I mean, we're not even in the double digits in our age. But she was right. And when you go see the opera in New York, there's a horse on stage. I mean, it is it is a truly spectacular experience in the, in the way that spectacular is
1: really meant to be. It is. <laughs> it is. Cruised. And, you know, it's funny because... I actually have been spoiled by opera, and I can't go see anything other than stuff at the Met, because, you know, when they have a, a velvet dress, they have an actual velvet dress that weighs a ton. Um, you don't see stagehands moving sets back and forth, and so a little bit of the magic is lost on me when I go see any other production, just because no one has the money that the Met does. But at the same time, when I was little, I I don't think I was ever one of those kids who was like... Cause there were two opera companies at Lincoln Center. There was the New York City Opera, and then there was the Metropolitan Opera. Yeah, there still is. Although and there still is, One's yes. struggling, and one's... Which is the one that's struggling, and which is I well? believe it would be the New York City Opera. If, okay. I, if history okay. is, is the same as it was in, 19, in the 1980s. Um, I sang at both, hmm. and you could definitely see the difference in production. Even at five? And, yes, yes. But I just was having fun. You know, for me, it was like... I got to hang out with kids. I didn't have to be at school. Um, oh, it sounds like so much fun. I got to eat Chef Boyardee out of the can. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And I remember up until I was 12, which is when I probably stopped, um, I thought that was going to be my life forever.
0: Now, why did you stop then? And, and um, you've spoken about how thoughtful your parents were in terms of letting you quit when you wanted to quit and letting you go back when you wanted to return. Yeah. And every it sounded like almost every two years, like yeah. clockwork, you would <laughs> yeah. say, okay, I'm ready to come back now.
1: I think it was a bit of both. It was like a balance of, like, wanting to have a social life and seeing that having a career infringed on that. You know, like, I, mm-hmm. as a kid, couldn't go play kickball. Not that I wanted to, but I couldn't. Or, yeah. or go to birthday parties. I just remember my mom saying to me things like, because cause I did a production of South Pacific when I was 10, And it required matinees on Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sundays, maybe. And I remember being like, I want to go to these birthday parties, but not being able to because I had to work or being so like wired and excited. And my mom being like, it's time to take a nap. And she actually had sleeping bags that she would put on our dressing room tables so that we would nap between when
0: you
1: say we, who was the other um, person? Oh, Allegra, um, I think she's now Allegra Parker, but at the time she was Allegra Forsty. She's Sarah Jessica Parker's half sister. Hmm. Um, so she and I, you know, a lot of in the theater kids, they're two kids for one role in case something happens. And actually, something did happen. What happened? Allegra stuck a bobby pin in a socket once. God. Yeah. And we had to wear these long wigs uh, because we were supposed to be these Polynesian children. And uh, I remember hearing it (laughs) and turning around and seeing smoke coming out of her wig. And, uh, yeah, she couldn't go on to finish the second act, so I had to go on for her. So for, for things like that.
0: But that's also so amazing to be aware of competition at such a young age. And that if that person, if something negative happens to that person, then something positive happens to you.
1: Yeah, it was, weird. it was weird, though. I think I always... I grew up around a lot of stage children, you know, yes. people, kids who were who auditioning, and that wasn't exactly my reality, even though it could have been. There was a part of me that, as I watched these people I was working with in commercials and things, there was a part of me that kind of knew that I didn't have that same drive. Even though I wanted it, I didn't Fascinating. want... I didn't want, want that. I wanted to go to the birthday parties. I wanted to, you know, be around my friends... And I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be cool with my friends, not just,
0: not just be valid- validated by adults. Yeah, I exactly. recently hung out with like a twenty-two-year-old musician, and she's like, "I don't have any friends my own age," and she saw that as a positive, and it made me so sad inside. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's a pity."
1: Well, I remember when I was in South Pacific, and I was missing so much school, and I felt like I didn't know anyone in my in my school at all, even though I was getting better grades because I was had nothing to do but study basically. And I remember I came back for current events day and all of them had done, um, for their current events, they had cut out my picture that I had been in, uh, featured in the Bergen record and, um, all of them in the newspaper In the newspaper. Yes. And they were all, all of them did their, their thing on me. And I remember thinking at the time, like, that's cool, but I'm not even around to enjoy it, you know, like, and they don't really treat me any differently Like it's, it was just sort of like a cool thing that happened. And for me, I was like, that's the best it's going to be that my, my photograph is going to be on the wall. And that's a little weird and they're not going to treat me any different. They're still not going to talk to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) then what's, what's all this for? And so that's, that was a lot of why I went back and forth a lot all up until like, even at Wesleyan, there was like a point where I was sort of like, ah. I, think I just want to have this college experience because even though i really enjoy performing there's a part of it where it takes over your life in a yes. way that doesn't allow you to live your life absolutely and
0: it's a choice of, I, of whether you, you yeah. have a normal life i mean even at night you are not free you, you know, yes
1: you're getting so you're told stage. like where to stand and where to sit and how to feel and to do it again and you're not allowed to have emotions and i think like freshman year of College was a very emotional time for me, and I remember I was cast in Robert Wilson's *Skin Meat Bone*. Mm. It was like, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Wilson. No, tell me about about him. Very experimental avant-garde theater director, and he was only doing one production. He did *Einstein on the Beach*. Oh wow! Um, with Philip Glass, and he actually directed um, *Lohengrin*, the current the current production of *Lohengrin* at the Metropolitan Opera. Um, you know, like slow movement and. What, what not. At any rate, I did his production at Wesleyan, and I remember feeling like um, I was having, like, boy troubles, <laughs> drug mm-hmm. problems, all sorts of things that freshman girls go through. Yeah. And I had to, like, you be were in having, rehearsal you were all having... the time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> problems? Yeah. Up the wazoo. <laughs> Nothing but Problems. <laughs> It was a hot mess.
0: I had no, I can see the hot part, but I didn't know about the mess
1: part. <laughs> mess, 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 messy, messy. So you know, I I just remember being like, I don't want to go to rehearsal. I don't want to do this, yes. and then feeling bad that I didn't want to go to rehearsal. Like that must mean I'm not a real actor.
0: Well, no, that's right. That you have to you have to like be able to answer those questions because I, I mean. Joyce Carol Oates and Stephen King. will talk about how much they love the process of writing, and it's really not hard for them to sit down and write. And then for me, it's heart like heart wrenching to like just sit in the chair and start writing. So then I'm like, I guess I'm not a real writer because I don't like I'm not excited at five in the morning or whatever it is that Joyce Carol Oates sits down, and then by four p.m. that day she's written a new novel. That's an exquisite novel. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so it does. You does start to question like, okay, if I'm normal and I'm not brilliant or if I'm normal and I'm not so driven can I still be a success and what does that mean and you know am I still an artist or that kind of thing um it does seem like you had the most non-neurotic relationship with music out of all of the different things that you do
1: well it's because I think I never pursued it professionally but most recently you did go on tour I did I did I went on I went on tour with a punk band you know,
0: E.D. Sedgwick, which is part of Justin Moyer, who is certainly big in the punk scene. Yes. Um, what was that like to be doing that when most of your friends are probably slogging it out, I imagine, to pay their mortgage off um, or complaining about uh, soccer practice with their kids? And here you are having a really punk rock experience.
1: Yes, in my late 30s. Um, it It was weird. I mean, it was great, but it was weird in that I had to, the only reason I agreed to do it was because my father had just passed away. And there was a part of me that was like, I'm just going to say yes to whatever falls in my lap right now. And that's what fell in my lap. And I think every rational part of me would have said, you've never even stayed in a hostel before. (laughs) What are you doing (laughs) about to go to the Czech Republic with one... Outfit, <laughs> and yes. that's white, and oh and God. just is that what you, know, you have to wear on stage? Yeah, yeah. So like, I think you know, me, it's a
0: nightmare just to wear it often. I mean, a friend yeah, just no, just no, gave me a hand me down of a white it was very dress. Very dirty. It was
1: very dirty by the end. I'm
0: sweating when she gave me the dress. I was like, thank you so much, but I really <laughs> don't think I'm responsible enough to have this. She's like, I'm gonna give it to Goodwill if I don't give it to you. And I was like, I think you should give it to Goodwill. It's white.
1: <laughs> you have to wear that on stage every day. I did, and it was you know. I, I'm so glad that I did it, and I don't regret it at all. What did you a, enjoy about it? I loved the ritual of it. I loved you know that you were getting in a van every single day and just going someplace, and then when you were there, you were working. But it was really difficult. I mean, we're not... They they weren't... Um, you know, there were no roadies. We were unloading everything ourselves and putting it back in. And,
0: and you don't I speak don't, the language.
1: I don't speak the language. I don't drink anymore. Yeah. I don't drink alcohol. I don't I do not do drugs. And so, you know, a lot of it was like waiting around on other people's time. And, and there's a lot of waiting around, much more so, you know, than when you're um, Even waiting around acting? on set. Yeah. Really? No. Well, because at least on set, I don't know. There's, well, you're in there's, the driver's Yeah, you're in the driver's right. seat a little bit more. But there's like, you know, you just, it's so random. You don't know what's going to happen at each venue. One venue, they're like... Putting you up in a nice place yeah. um, with a home cooked meal, and the next place you're like in, or you're on your own in a place that has no towels. Oh, Literally, nice. no nice. towels. I use tissue paper to, be to wash my face one night. <laughs> okay, your face is fine, but I was just
0: imagining showering. And I was oh, like... no,
1: that didn't happen that day. <laughs> okay. that, that didn't happen.
0: Um, so, all right, but the music does seem like something that you've been able to enjoy because it wasn't a career. Yeah.
1: And that's been conscious. And, I mean, even as I was on stage, I remember there was one night in the Czech Republic, we played this really great show. And I had, like, all of these teenagers coming up to me afterwards, drunk, asking me to sign their arm. And and you could feel the energy in the room. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I remember thinking, even at that point, because, you know, there's just so much so much crap that goes along with every every job.
0: Yeah, but we're here to every talk about your job. crap.
1: And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, there was a part of me that just realized... I really, really wouldn't, I don't love music enough. I don't love this enough to be doing this all the time. I like, had up even, even if this is the epitome, I don't think that I can put up with it. Whereas with acting, I can, to a certain degree.
0: So let's talk yeah. about acting, because that, that has been your, your bread and butter. Saving Face was your first breakout film. Yes. What was it like, you know, having love scenes in your first film, and you're having love scenes with another woman?
1: It was very comforting because she was a woman because it was no pressure Mm -hmm. there was no you know what does that mean there was no pressure i'll say this because you know i've been married to my husband abe now for 10 years we've been together for 16 and part of why i'm able to sustain myself in this industry is because of him yeah and because i have this rock and so we did a lot of working out of you know, personal things during that time, and I think if I had been you and Abe, or- yeah, yeah, like like establishing what it would be like for me to have a personal versus private, uh, private versus public life. Well, that's huge, right? That you have to you
0: you you have to have a persona that's different, even yes. even if you're giving yourself to the character. Yes, whoever that is, even if you say the same sentence to your family at home, it somehow feels different than when you say it publicly.
1: Yes, and it was also like this this notion of like. He has to share me suddenly. He knew I was giving up rights. You know, I was I appeared nude in it. So he was like, this is it. My wife is going to be on Mr. Skin. There will be lots of people masturbating to her um, and paying money for it. And I have to be okay with that. Like that there's just access to that. And I was, I don't know, I guess I was fine with it because for me it was an opportunity, mm-hmm. and that was just part of...
0: Well, it was also a very meaty role, right? Yes. I mean, it, 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 yeah.
1: It? No, it wasn't like I was just taking off my, my clothes and... Which
0: is a very it. different thing, and I was going to ask afterwards, did you get more meaty roles offered to you, or did you get the opposite? Did you get...
1: A lot of meaty opportunities opened for me. A lot. A lot. And... I mean, it was a huge
0: hit, and you got so many awards for it.
1: A lot of opportunities opened up, but I think this was the time... Right after Saving Face was probably my most troubling time for me personally. How come? Um, well, my eating disorders were really growing at a rate that felt out of my control. Like they really took shape in a way that um, they had never been before.
0: I, I loved and knocked up when um, Kristen Wigg is playing this studio network executive. And she's telling Catherine uh, Heigl to lose weight, but she's saying it's not me who's telling you to lose weight; it's them who's telling you to lose weight. And I think it's very difficult to explain to the outside world just how much pressure there is.
1: Yeah,
0: um, you have two blogs. One, you know, one is the Actor's Diet, which talks about being an actor mm-hmm. and how an actor eats because it is such a huge part of how you get picked for roles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then the other one um, I love is about you know having thick skin. Like dumpling an, skin, big yeah. dumpling skin. Um, as an Asian American, and obviously I'm sure that this is a very important community site for Asians wherever they are, not just in America, but it is a topic that is not spoken about, you've mentioned, at in all. your community at all. No. And so it was such a brave thing for you to do with it. You, you did it with another
1: young woman. Lisa Lee. Um, we co-founded it together.
0: And you created this resource. Mm-hmm. And you, I love that you also have a psychiatrist who... who... Yeah,
1: she... She helps us out because we get asked a lot of questions that we're not equipped to handle. And eating disorders, like any other mental illness, are something that's so personal that I don't feel like it's something that I can really, you know, give advice about. All I can do is share what my experience is, and all I know is that my experience is unique.
0: I was going to ask you what it's like to film nude scenes now, or at least even go into sexuality now, because you've been in recent films where...
1: I mean, you've had one about having an open relationship. Yes. Well, what, it's interesting. Well, now I don't have to do the nudity, I feel like. You don't do that. No. Now. And that, that, that contract was very much negotiated um, of what they could show, what they couldn't show. The nudity clause was, like, very specific.
0: Um, elbows?
1: Yeah, yeah. Elbows. I remember, like, going straight and trying to explain to my agent at the time, side boob. Side boob, no nipple. Side boob only and in silhouette.
0: Oh, interesting. Like that,
1: that sort of thing was very specific, but you know, I mean, that's not to say I wouldn't do nudity again. It's just that I feel like I, yeah, I've done this enough now to, to know when it feels gratuitous and when it's not. And I, I don't feel like I have to anymore.
0: What about the emotional vulnerability of on stage engaging in a, conversation with another actor where you're talking about having an open relationship what impact does your work then have on your romantic relationship at home
1: well that's the thing that was so
0: without the nudity just even talking right. about the possibility of, of something like that
1: that's the thing that was so wonderful about saving face be her being a woman was that it trained my husband and I at, at, an, at a young stage for both of us to realize that like work is work it really is just work and hmm. I think it was easier for him to grasp because it was a woman. It wasn't like I was going to leave him, even though I was a lesbian. Yes. Um, <laughs> I did. I did question my sexuality during, my, during did. those years. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I definitely had moments. But, um, but he, you know, he didn't think like when I was, he would get jealous when I would like go off and go have a drink with her. And I'm actually having brunch with her tomorrow. Um but you know, there's a there's a closeness you get, you feel like you're at camp a little bit and you just want to hang out with the people that you're working with. And I think he learned at that at that stage, oh, she's not gonna leave me for this woman. So he let me do what I was gonna do.
0: And with the men, because I was I was hinting at your more recent roles.
1: Yeah. He um, like like well then he, he doesn't get jealous of them either because of that. Mm-hmm because Um, that
0: set the stage yeah that sort of set the stage that
1: he was just sort of like well she's not gonna she's not gonna go off and and you know leave me for this person
0: well but that's also you have a maturity both of you guys have a maturity but I was gonna say you have a particular maturity that you don't fall in love with your co-stars because I can also see how easy it is for people to get swept up in the fantasy it's been such a thrill to have you on and I'm excited to see your career continue to unfold thank you Katie So fun. Congratulations on your award. Thank you so much. You can't eat it. That concludes this episode of the Employee of the Month show. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you to Ryan Fountain, Ian Mazoff, the WGA, UCB, Six Point Harness. Please do donate at employeeofthemonthshow.com and check out how to subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy.